I hope you've had a blessed week. And uh, as you have gone through this week, I know there's been some really difficult challenges uh, that some in this body have faced because of four young women in a an unnecessary traffic accident uh, that claimed the life of one and injured another. And uh, I don't want us to try to divorce our hearts and our thoughts from four young women doing the right thing, having somebody that wasn't uh, ruin their life and their family's life. And so we want to keep that in our hearts. And we want to pray God's guidance and protection. And I know some of you have been involved in ministering to them. At the same time, there are a lot of things that are getting started and kicked off and focused at Pine Tree for the summer, important exciting events and that's so much of what life is is that juggling of excitement but sorrow sadness but victory and as Israel gets ready to cross the Jordan River this is an exciting and exhilarating moment for them but it is also a time of sadness because only two that crossed the Jordan were adults when they left Egypt. Their crossing was a signal of one generation's faith and optimism and confidence in God. And it was also the marker of an end of a generation or two or three that didn't have that faith. Father, we come to you this morning. We stand under your word. We ask that the Holy Spirit use the word he inspired to speak to our hearts. That he excites us about the opportunities ahead, even as some struggle with deep sorrow. And we pray that you make this more than a ready recollection of what I prepared. We ask, Holy Spirit, you enter into this, convict hearts, give encouragement and minister beyond our ability to speak and hear. We ask you to enter into this moment to your glory and our change and transformation to be like Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. We're in a series of lessons from Joshua, and they'll carry us all summer. The first thing I want you to do is look at the front of your bulletin, and I want you to know that's not who's speaking next week. Juan will be back next week to speak to you. Uh, We're having to do some adjustments because of some schedule changes, but uh, sometimes the changes that get made against our will are actually preparatory for some things God has in his. And so it'll be a time to look at Joshua 5, but also to prepare for the Honduras trip and remember those that are on mission. So I ask you to be here, to show up, to be encouraging both to the Hispanic brethren, but also to one, I've already fallen in love with his heart and his passion to share God. Secondly, I need you to have your phone out. All right? Can everybody have your phone out? I know, I know preachers don't normally ask folks to have their phone. I want you to have your phone out. Now, I know some of you can sneak over and check Facebook or do email, and that's a risk I'll take. Because that's between you, God, and the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to ask you to have your phone out because it's going to be a good tool. Now, some of you are going to have your Bible in here. I do. But I'm going to ask you to be ready to text 
You ever had a preacher ask you to text during the sermon? I'm going to ask you to text here in a minute. So get ready. Let's see. I don't think I have my clicker, so I'm going to talk real loud and go get my clicker. So that you can keep up with me. And as uh, we will do each week, we'll begin our time in the Word focused on a psalm. And this morning, we're going to focus on Psalm 78 because it is so spot on to what we're focused on. Listen, dear friends, to God's truth. Bend your ears to what I tell you. I'm chewing on a morsel of a proverb, and I'm going to let you in on, I'm going to let you in on some sweet truths. Stories we heard from our fathers. Counsel we learned at our mother's knee. We're not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the next generation. What are we passing along? What are we talking about? We're talking about God's fame and fortune. We're talking about the marvelous things our God has done. I want you to take a second. Not only am I going to ask you to text, I'm going to ask you to talk in church. Next thing you know, I'll be asking you to look back behind you. All the things your mama told you never to do in church, we're going to do them all. But I want you to turn to somebody nearby. It can be side by side or it can be behind you. And yes, I'm asking you to do this. One thing I rejoice in God doing through us at Pine Tree is, I want you to share that with somebody. you got about a minute and a half, so let's go. Boom. One, two, three, go. Okay, it's important because church is a time to stir one another up to love and good deeds. In fact, all the worship verbs in the New Testament that come from the Old Testament are not used for what happens in the assembly. They're used for what we do in our Monday through Saturday life. And this is a time to stir each other up, Hebrews 10.25 says. So I want to stir you up a little bit. Now, I've already felt my phone buzz once, uh, but uh, that's a good thing, because I want this thing where my Bible is being read to jiggle the rest of the service, because you're going to see that phone number up on most of the slides, And when you think of something that you're thankful God is doing through Pine Tree, I want you to text it to me. We're going to share these later on this summer. So get that phone out and start texting because I want this thing to vibrate. I want it to jiggle. I started to have it go ding, 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 but that would have driven you crazy. And I want to thank 
two that have already come in, children's ministry and youth group. And here comes another one, missions. That's good stuff. And isn't it good? God's doing stuff. And he's doing it, and you don't even have a preacher. And that's the point, isn't it? Because God is doing great things. He longs to do even greater things. So I want to keep hearing from you because this is encouraging to me. You know, when people sing about how great the Lord is and they're like this and they've got a frown on, uh, the song leader feels like he has to raise Lazarus before the preacher preaches to him. Well, so smiling to the, uh, to the song leader is like sending text messages about good stuff at Pine Tree. So we're going to share that and I appreciate that going on and you just keep it going the rest of the time and I'm going to tell you why. I want you to do that because, listen, dear friends, to God's truth. Bend your ears to what I'm about to tell you. I'm going to let you in on some sweet old truths. I'm chewing on the morsel of a great proverb. These are stories that we heard from our fathers. It's counsel we learned from our mother's knee. This is good stuff. We, le- we learned growing up. And we're not going to keep this to ourselves. We're going to share it to the next generation because we want them to know and experience the great things of God. His fame and his fortune, the marvelous things he has done. This morning, we are in Joshua 4, but before we get there, I want to ask you a question. Do you remember the first thing Barnabas and Saul, Paul hadn't changed his name yet. You remember uh, the first thing Barnabas and Saul did when they got back from their first missionary journey. You remember? They did this. On arriving there, Antioch, they gathered together the whole church and they reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. I have a bone to pick with my Church of Christ brethren. We don't know how to celebrate God's good stuff. We just don't. We don't celebrate God wins. We don't celebrate God's victory. We, we announce them, we'll put something in the bulletin, but we let the negativity of the world swamp us in the middle of God doing great things, and we don't ever pause to take time and do it. Now, I want to tell you something that I have learned in my detailed biblical studies. You know that Jews were the first Texans. Did you know that? They were. Because you know when they took one of those big oxen to give as a sacrifice what went on with that cow? They're just like Texans. They love dead cow. They love it. And so they would take that cow and the priest would get part of it. And he would sacrifice part of it and the priest would get to keep part of it. But the biggest chunk, do you know what they did? They had a barbecue cook-off. Go look at it. That's what they did. They ate it together. It was a party. And it was a reminder that as we come to God and we offer ourselves to Him, He takes care of our sin and He throws us a party. Heaven's a party. If you haven't gotten that yet, I can point you to somebody that can talk to you about that a little bit. But heaven's one big party. Jesus comes back. It's a big parade. And we don't use streets in that parade. We just go through the sky. 
So what I want us to realize is God wants us to celebrate the things he's done. And that's exactly what Barnabas and Saul did coming back from their first missionary journey. They arrived and they did great things. Now let's go to our our Bible text again because I want you to have your Bible open. And every once in a while I can't see stuff on my text. So we're going to find out how well I know my Bible because I keep having these things pop up on my text. But this is great. This is good stuff. But I want us to remember where we were. We were in Joshua 3.17. Now look at Joshua 3.17. Isn't that a pretty tough place to leave things? The Ark of the Covenant and the priest who carried it stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground where all the people of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. How many of you would want to have been a priest that day? Now, I'm not talking after the thing was over. I'm talking about when Moses said, you take that holy box of God, and they knew it was a most sacred duty, and they couldn't touch it. So like every man, I'm going to just tell you the truth, every man that gets up here, there are two things they're worried about, and they're not holy, but they want what they do to be honorable. And there are two things they worry about. They worry about stumbling on the steps and they want to make sure there's no ill wind they feel below the naval base. In other words, they're worried about their zipper. Those priests were real men like we were and are. They were real people. And here's the Jordan at flood stage, and they're, they're walking right in the middle of that thing. And that thing opens up in dry ground when the priests get to the edge. And then they go and stand in the center of it. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you, when the Sabine is at flood stage, want to go stand in the middle of the Sabine? More horrifying, if you've seen pictures from the Brazos and from around uh, Horseshoe Bend and Lake Granbury and all that area, imagine standing in the middle of the Brazos at flood stage. You've probably seen some of these cars swept off in the flood there. I don't know if it's been like this here, but in Abilene and in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, every time the newscasters come on, they have a phrase. Turn around, don't drown. Well, nobody told us, the priest. God says, you go in there. I'll handle it. And they go in there. Now, I want you to notice what happens when they go in there. All the people of Israel pass across. But look at Joshua 4 in verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua... Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you to put them down in the place where you stay tonight. Joshua, we've been standing in the middle of this riverbed, and all the Israelites have passed over, and you're telling us to stay here? You're telling us to stay here while 12 men come and get stones from where we're standing? Yeah. 
they delay. And not only do they delay, they delay some more. They're sitting there in that river, and they're worried about what's ahead. No, doesn't say that, does it? They're worried about the river coming down on them. No, doesn't say that. What are they worried about? They're worried about obeying God and bringing Him glory and doing what He says. So, not only do they wait while these 12 men come to get stones, but the story continues. Verse 4, Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said, Go over to the ark of the Lord, go down into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israelites. Why? To serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask, What do these stones mean? I hope sometime over the next six to nine months, when we do communion, we'll have a communion service where it's noisy. I know our tradition is to sit and bow our heads and meditate. But that was never the Jewish way of remembering. That's our tradition. But we want to have a Sunday where parents sit with their kids and they explain to them, this is what communion means. This is why we're doing it. And we'll do it up front. And we'll do it because there may be some guests here. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? And you're going to tell them. Verse 7, the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the ark did, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones are to be a memorial to the people of the Israel, to the people of Israel forever. So guess what happened? They did exactly, exactly what Joshua told them. Verse 10. You think, all right, it's time to go. Not quite. Now the priest who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priest came to the other side while the people watched. So in other words, the people watched them get to the edge, the water opens up, they go down in the middle, when it gets settled, they all walk across, and the people hurried. You notice the priest didn't hurry, but the people hurried, and they got to the other side, and Moses says, oh, you 12 guys that we've appointed, you go get the stones, and then they go out. But there's a little detail that he had left out in telling this story. Verse 12. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over ready for battle in front of the Israelites as Moses directed them. So we've got to go back and reorder. First order, the priests go to the river. The river opens up. They put the Ark of the Covenant in the middle of the river. Then the first thing that happens is these two and a half tribes with their warriors go across. Now, why, why those two and a half tribes? Why does it mention them? Because those are the folks that were going to settle, not in the promised land, but on the side of the Jordan that they were leaving. These were men that were going to risk their lives to help Israel do what God had commanded, even though their homes we're on the other side. It's a powerful, powerful message. And then verse 13 says, 40,000 warriors went in 
in front of them. So now we have an idea, don't we, why the Israelites hurried. The priests go in the middle of the river, the river opens up, the Ark of the Covenant's in the middle, the priests are in the middle, and the people pass by. But the people don't get to go in the river until these two and a half tribes with their warriors go through, and then 40,000 soldiers. Now, you think anybody's going, I just know that thing is going to break and we're going to get drowned in here. Don't you think somebody said that? Howard, would you hurry? We've got to get these kids across this river. Now, honey, the Lord said he's going to take care of us. Or, Darlene, I don't think I want to do this. This is the confoundedest thing I have ever seen or heard of. Come on, precious. God's taking care of us. We want to get to the other side. Our grandkids are already over there. Everybody knows that's how you get a stubborn man to do anything. Just tell them the grandkids. I'm doing all this because I want you to realize these are real people doing something they had never done before that was absolutely crazy. Except the one that spoke into existence, the universe, held back the waters because his people followed his lead and obeyed his direction. Now, that's a great story, but that's not the primary point of the story. The primary point of the story is God's people were making, preserving, and celebrating God wins. God wins are those things that God does among us that we can't do ourselves. He opens doors. He makes us better than we are. We are able to accomplish things that we couldn't do on our own. And the people of God, God orders them, He commands them to make plans and preserve so that they can celebrate in the future the things he did, that he's done among them. God is a God who likes a party. That's what heaven is about. That's what we're called to do when we come together. We're celebrating the good things God has done among us. Second thing that's going on here is people are recognizing and experiencing unity. If the first people that go through the chute are the ones that are actually living on the other side, and they're warriors whose wives and children are going to remain on that other side vulnerable while they go across. What's that saying to everybody else? If they're going to obey God, we're going to obey God. Then the soldiers go through. Well, if our soldiers go through, we're going to go through because we're already risking our priest class. We're risking our Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, these guys that are not even going to live on this side with us are risking their lives, and our soldiers have risked their lives. So this must not be much of a risk. This must be the work of God. Then the third thing that's going on here is it says, on that day, Joshua was raised in value in the eyes of the Israelites to the level of Moses. Well, that's an important deal. Because we looked several weeks ago that Joshua was really, he, he was just a gopher for Moses for 40 years. So God was elevating him in the eyes of the people. Now that, all of that's important stuff. 
And we want to recognize why that's important. And I need somebody to advance the slides because my clicker decided to quit working. So is that my signal? <laughs> Let's advance. There we go. So what's this story about? Well, we began with this. Let's go. Can we advance it? There we go. Let's go one more. There we go. The reason we're talking about this, and the reason we chose this psalm, is because what's happening here is the kind of stuff the psalmist was talking about. Listen, dear friends, this is God's truth. Bend your ear and hear what I tell you. I want you to know God is doing great things. Let's go back to the psalm slide, please. I'm chewing on the morsel of a proverb. I'm going to let you in on a sweet old truth. Stories we heard from our fathers, counsel we learned from our mother's knee. And we're not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the future generation. Why? Because we want them to know God's great fame. We want our future generations to know God is not only powerful, He owns everything. So we're going to obey Him and let Him use it for His glory. And we're going to tell about the marvelous things He has done. I don't know what you're involved in this summer, but my guess is you've got some busy plans. And as you have those busy plans... I want you to remember the story in Joshua 4. But I want you to remember the story in Joshua 4, not just for the words, but underneath those words, there's something you feel, there's something you intuitively know about this story. Let me see if I can point to it. This story is in Scripture because this is a moment when God's people knew he was at work among them doing great things. That's the implication. That's underneath everything going on here. God is at work here doing great things. And sometimes we forget that. In fact, I don't think I have 400 text messages, just about 100. But it's important that you, as God's people here, that we, as we work together at Pine Tree walk with this same conviction. God didn't put a governor on his power when the last of the apostles died. The Bible doesn't ever teach that. God didn't suddenly rein in and make the issues of our world much more difficult to deal with because he refused to act in powerful ways. That's not what Scripture says. And when God's people believe he's at work in them, God still does incredible things. Miraculous things. That's why when we go on mission trips, we come back and we are worn out and we are excited at the same time because when we do that and we get overextended and it's across a culture and it's a different language and we look up and we're doing good stuff and we realize this is not me. This is better than me. And that's what that means. God is at work here doing great things for His glory. And we want to feel that. We want to understand that. Secondly, what's going on in this story is God is making a future with his people. 
that they're going to want to share with their kids. You don't believe that you have a future and take 12 stones out of the middle of the river and set up a monument for future generations to say this is what God has done. You just don't do that. You're acting in confidence that God is going to do something here. You're inviting Him in to do miraculous, powerful things, and you believe those things will not just keep the church alive, it will advance it into the future to His glory. So this morning, I want to challenge you to not look at this as summer vacation. Yeah, I want you to have a vacation. But if you skip church, and I know I'm violating the first commandment, don't talk about where people go to church on vacation, or don't go to church on vacation. But if you don't go to church on vacation, take communion stuff with you and do it as a family. And talk with your kids and your grandkids about what it means. Get that beginner's Bible and read, let them read the story of the Last Supper. And then you take that, and as folks take the bread and they take the fruit of the vine, you have the kids tell you what they mean. And then you share some of that. And if you do it in a public place, you may be surprised. Some other folks may show up and join you. You do it on the deck of a cruise ship, you'll have folks that want to take communion with you. Or go visit a church that needs a little encouragement and say, I'm from Pine Tree Church of Christ at Longview, and we bring you the grace of God, and we pray the power of His Holy Spirit does great things from you. You'd shock people to death. Because, you know, not every place is real friendly in the foyer. You go say that to somebody, they go, what are you talking about? Well, we're talking about God is at work in our church. We want Him to be at work at yours. And we believe He's providing a future, and we want our kids to talk about it and know about it, and we do the same thing for you and your kids. We want you to know God's doing great things. If you go on a mission trip, dedicate it to God. Get three or four people to pray for you each day you're gone. And when we get to the end, we want to talk about what God has done through the people at Pine Tree over the summer. Let's pull together some memories from the riverbed and let's take them with us from the riverbed of our summer. How are we going to make some God memories this summer? Plan it. Don't just leave town on a vacation. Take a journey with God in an adventure with your family, and let him be the guide and the lead. How are we going to celebrate God wins from this summer in the future? Those are the things I want you to think about. And maybe one of the best God wins we could have this morning is somebody come down to the front and say, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I want to be baptized into him. And that would be one of the best God wins we could have this day. And If you need to do that, we invite you to do that right this minute as we stand and sing.